This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. So this is the last week of this series, The Best Of. Uh, next week, we kick off a brand new series called Renew. I promise you, you're not going to want to miss a week of that. And to make it extra special for the first week, we invite our kids on Labor Day to come in and take over leading us in worship. And so our elementary students will be in here next Sunday on the stage leading us in worship. It's going to be a great Sunday. I don't want you to miss that at all as we get prepped for that. So let's kind of get into this story. This story begins with the 11-year-old boy that you saw, Jake Chambers. Jake Chambers is in the middle of the night having visions and dreams, and they're so vivid that when he wakes up, he can draw them out as representations of what he had seen the night before. And he begins to tell people, and he begins to share what he's seeing because it's so repetitive. It's as if a story is being revealed to him over and over and over again. And as he tells people, his mom and his stepfather and his guidance counselor, people over and over and over again begin to think that he's crazy. Begin to think that he does, there's something psychologically that's wrong with him. But I just wanted to take you back to a, a scripture and look at this. Joel 2, verses 28. This is God speaking of really the days that we live in after the redemption of man. So in after all of those things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Look, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. See, I want you to know today that sometimes God does exactly what we see in the opening of this film where there are young men that have in their hearts a dream that is born inside of them. And the, the truth is, is that the world that we live in often tells them you're crazy. You're crazy. There's no way that God could do that through you. There's no way that you could ever be that. That's insane. And as we kind of step into this story, we, we start to see what happens. There's so so much richness and texture to this film, and it's really in the development of a few characters. See, in his visions at night, he sees a few people who kind of take on the role of, of the, the lead characters of the story. He begins by seeing uh, a dark man. He, he doesn't know who he is, but as he sees him in, in his visions at night, he is evil personified. He just whispers to somebody, stop breathing, and they just fall over dead. Just the minute inclination that he plants in somebody, they follow. He's evil. And this dark man, who's played by Matthew McConaughey, just an awesome favorite of, of many of ours, right? Um, he is bent on destroying what he knows as the tower. 
And so he sees this tower and he sees this dark man over and over and over and over again. And he sees characters revolving around this. And, and again, people continue to say, you're crazy, you're crazy, you're crazy. He meets with a counselor and a psychologist and they say, "There's no. this is just a dream, this is just a dream, this is not real. And he refuses to accept that what he has seen is not real. And so his mom decides to commit him for evaluation at an asylum. And when the two people show up to take him, he recognizes them from his dreams. And he runs. And he runs. And he runs to a place that he was able to identify through the visions that he found. And as he found it, he literally enters into a whole new world. Where the first person that he meets is the last person that he saw in a vision. That was the gunslinger. And the gunslinger tells him about what the tower really is. That the tower stands between all the worlds. And that that tower is there to protect all the worlds that have been created from evil and darkness. And as I heard that when I was watching the film, I was reminded of Psalm 18, verse 2, where the Bible says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, in whom I take refuge. He's our fortress. God is our deliverer. He is the place that we go to for refuge. He is our shelter. And to put it in the context of the film that we just saw where we rehashed this past year, he is our umbrella. Psalm 61 puts it this way. God, you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. And so this tower stands between all that is evil and all that has been created. And the young boy finds out very quickly that this dark man has kind of crafted a plan that he wants to destroy everything, that he's working towards that. And so this story begins to unfold. And I thought it would be helpful today. If instead of just going through the story and giving you teaching points, we would go through the different characters that are in this film. Because I think that from each point of view, we can learn something that's special and unique. And I'd like to start by talking about the dark man. The dark man reminds us of this. If you're taking notes, I'd write this down, that there's an enemy that wants to advance the causes of darkness. The Bible speaks of God's ways as being light and evil as being dark. And there's an enemy that wants to advance the causes of darkness. If you looked at the news for the last two or three weeks, I, I hope that you can see that there's an enemy that wants to advance the causes of darkness. All right. We live in a very fallen and broken and evil world. And it has been impacted desperately by evil. That's why 1 Peter 5.8 says it this way. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. 
For your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. The, the truth is, is that you have an enemy. You have an enemy. And so many times we live in our lives as if there is nothing out there pushing against us. There is no evil force that does not want you to grow, does not want you to make the right steps. There, we live in, in that kind of perception and we miss the reality that there is an enemy to our soul. So number two is important for us to know, if you're taking notes, I'd write this down too, that our greatest enemy is spiritual darkness and the forces that spread it. Leave that up there for a second. Notice that I did not say that our enemy is an ideology. I didn't say that. Our enemy is not a person or a people group. Our enemy is not those people. And can I just say this today? If in your mind you have formulated a statement that says what's wrong with the world is those people. You have missed the point of the gospel. Because it is not those people. Our enemy is spiritual darkness and we see that right here in Ephesians 6 for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood against flesh and blood they are not who we wrestle against but against the rulers against the authorities against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places our greatest enemy is spiritual darkness It is good to know. It is good to know that the enemy is not strong. The enemy is not strong. Is not stronger than our Father. Is not stronger than our God. He's not stronger than you when you stand in the power of God Himself. Our enemy is not stronger. Now He has weapons. And he's wielding them in the days that we live. He has weapons. There are things that are at his disposal that do bring destruction. But the truth of Isaiah 54, 17 is so powerful that in the day that's coming, no weapon that is turned against you will succeed. I love the old King James. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Because he's not stronger than our God. Which is why the, the character of the gunslinger in this story is so powerful. I watched an interview with uh, Stephen King, and I don't care about what your opinion of him is, but he, he wrote this story, and, and he said that the, the, the character of the gunslinger was, was really the genesis of this story. Because when we meet him, we meet him in total brokenness. Just to kind of refresh you on who the gunslinger was, if you didn't catch some of that in the um, narrative that was there in the trailer, watch this video. For centuries, the gunslingers were knights. Just want to protect us from the coming of the dark. 
left. The Dark Tower is at the center of the universe. The tower protects our world from chaos and death. If it falls, hell will be unleashed. You can't stop what's coming. Death always wins. I'm sworn to defend the tower. I'll stop at nothing to protect it. Darkness is your weapon. Guns are mine. Do they have guns and bullets in your world? You're gonna like Earth a lot. All right, let's go. I do not aim at my hand. I aim at my eye. I do not shoot with my hand. I shoot with my mind. I do not kill with my gun. I kill with my heart. See, the gunslinger in this story, it's not the first time he's had a run-in with the dark man. The last vision that the child has before he, he kind of leaves and escapes and finds himself thrust into the main story is where the gunslinger is in his last major stand against the dark man. And he's there with his father. And the dark man kills his dad. And he blames himself for his father's death. And so when we meet the character of the dark man in this film, he is broken and filled with shame and feels a lot like there is this great potential out there. God has given me this calling. Maybe some of you would identify with this, but I have disqualified myself from that or I have lost that or many of us would feel like this many of us feel like the things we've done and the things we've lost have disqualified us from the purpose of God in our lives and that's exactly where the gunslinger is when you meet him and through Jake this little 11 year old boy the purposes of God the purposes of his life are awoken within this gunslinger as he realizes that he is called to protect the tower. He, that's what his purpose is. And he had been neglecting it, which has been giving the, the dark man an opportunity to actually do that. And so he steps back into his purpose. And so I just wanted to talk to that, that person who is here today and, and just kind of address that issue of you feeling like you are disqualified and outside of the purposes of God. And I want to open it by just asking you this question. What is the purpose of all of this? What's the purpose of the gospel of Jesus? What's the purpose of it? The truth is, is if I were going to ask the average, everyday, common Christian, they would tell me, well, I, I believe that all of this, God did all of this so that I would be uh, sinless. And that by being sinless, I could, I could get better, I could behave better, I could get to this point where, where I have finally earned this gift that God bought for me. which is totally backwards. It's totally backwards. It's a total misunderstanding of what this is all about. 
The gospel of Jesus is not about behavior modification. It is not about changing your your do's and don'ts. It's not about uh, not drinking, not chewing, and not hanging out with girls that do those things, right? It is not about those things. The gospel of Jesus is about freedom. And it's about the love of God. I want to share some, some truth with you that, that may, may be very difficult for you to believe. But you can never in your life do anything, do anything that would cause God to love you more than He does right now. You couldn't. It is impossible for you to do anything that would cause God to love you more than he does right now. And it is impossible for you to do anything that would cause him to love you less than what he does right now. You see, a lot of times we get so confused about obedience when it comes and as it connects to the gospel. And I think that sometimes, okay, y'all hear me out on this. Sometimes we think that our worth is based on our obedience. And if you ever get to thinking that way, eventually if you're honest with yourself, you will find that you are disqualified from whatever it is that you think God has called you to do. Because you'll keep looking at yourself and saying, but I. But I see our obedience is not about our worthiness. It is about his worthiness. We don't obey God because it gives us greater value. We obey God because he is worth it. So the gospel isn't about managing our sin. It's about freeing us to love and be loved by Jesus. That's what the whole point of all of this is. Is opening the door to the freedom. And in our failures and our loss, what all too happens, all too often happens is our perf- perspective shifts to ourselves. Instead of receiving and responding to the love of God. That we start to look at our own failures and our own inadequacies and our own shortcomings. And in doing that, in doing that simple thing, we then look at God and say, but you can't love me. But there's nothing that you can do. That would cause God to love you any less than he loves you right now. When that shift begins to happen and our eyes begin to fix on our own hearts and our own lives, inevitably we'll start to step away from the purpose that God has for us. But see, everything that God does, everything that God does for us in our lives is born out of His love for us. Y'all know this. 
that sometimes love is uncomfortable. We see that at home with our kids, don't we? There's probably not a parent in here that enjoys spanking their kid. All right? If you are, you probably need to go see a counselor, okay? (laughs) But we spank them sometimes because they need discipline, even though it's uncomfortable. If you have a teenager, you know that one of the most difficult and horrific things that you can do in your house is take away a cell phone, right? It's just a nightmare. It's a nightmare for you. It's a nightmare for your kid. But you do it anyway. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. See, God does things in our lives that are uncomfortable, but He does them because He loves us. And I want you to be reminded today that sometimes we go through seasons that are uncomfortable, that they do. In our, if we shift our perspective and start looking at our own selves and our own qualifications and our own worthiness, what happens is we all of a sudden start to think that we are not worthy of being loved by Him. So I want to read this long passage. And if you're that person in here that has felt disqualified, from the purposes of God based on things that you've lost or things that you've done. I want you to listen to this. So what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all. Won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us? Whom God has chosen for his own. No one. For God himself has given us the right standing with himself. Notice what it says. He has given us right standing. We didn't earn it. It's not based on our worthiness. It's based on his For God has given us right standing with himself. So then who will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand now pleading for us. So can anyone ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? Or are persecuted or are hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No. Despite all these things overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. If you're here today and that's been you, the person that's felt disqualified, I want you to understand that your qualifications are found only in one place. And that's in Jesus. That's not just for you. That's for me and for any other person who's ever done anything that mattered in the kingdom of God. Lastly, I'd like to look at that little boy, Jake Chambers, who was filled with visions. As the film begins, the story that unfolds is who is he? Who is this little boy, really? Who is he? Is he crazy? 
Is he having all these dreams and visions? His parents think he's crazy. His guidance counselors think he's crazy. His friends think he's crazy. But is he crazy? Or is he filled with a vision that is far beyond the world that he lives in? Let's talk about you for a second. In your story, who are you really? Who are you really? Because I think that for most of us in the room today, our story is a lot like this little 11-year-old boy that we have no clue who we are. Because as the story begins to unfold, you find out that this little boy is special. That he's actually the hinge to the dark man's plans to destroy the tower because of the amount of power that he possesses. So I want you to know, number one, when we talk about who are you really, number one, you have a purpose. You have a purpose. God created you with a purpose in mind. You were not meant to come to this earth just to suck air and do a job and die old. You have a purpose. God created you with a purpose. Jeremiah 1.5. I love this verse because it speaks to this reality. And when he says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before there was even this moment of conception, before that ever even, I knew you already. And before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. And I want you to understand today that that principle exists for you as well. Before you were even a twinkle in your mom and dad's eye, God knew you. He had already prepared for you and He had plans and purposes in place for you. In Exodus 9, 16, the Bible says, I have raised you up for this very purpose. Which gives us a clue as to what all of our purposes would be. That I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed on this earth. I've raised you up for this purpose. God has a purpose for your life. Philippians 2 says this. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but Now much more my absence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For look at this. This, We always look at that part before, but pay attention to this. For it is God who works in you to will and act according to His good purpose. You have a purpose. God desires to do something through you. He has plans for you. And I want you to know, Not only does he have plans for you, but he's provided for it. Number two, you have power. You have more power than you probably even realize. This young boy, as it begins to unfold in the story, you find out that there's something kind of hidden within him. and He has this ability to affect his surroundings. And I think that maybe some of us need to be reminded today that that same ability 
that God has given it to you as well. That when his power rests inside of you, you have the capacity to impact your surroundings. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. God has given us a spirit of power. And he desires us to live with that. So much so that at this one moment, Jesus took about 70 guys, 72 guys who, who were very close to him, and he sent them out with this task. I want you to go actually exercise the power that you have learned is within you that you have seen me use. And when they came back, look at what he said. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and all power over the enemy. This is where people get snake handling from. And in just a moment, y'all, we have snakes. We're going to bring them out, pass them down the rows. Just kidding. <laughs> Look at it. We, we don't do that around here. <laughs> I don't like snakes. All right. Behold. I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. He's speaking of evil forces here. Uh, to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, pay attention to this part. Do not rejoice in this. That the spirits are subject to you. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Can I translate? Don't rejoice that you have power, but rejoice in the fact that you are loved because you are. Don't... Don't rejoice in the fact that, that you can't, that you have a purpose and that you have that God has plans for you. But rejoice in the fact that you are loved because you are loved. And when you ask about what is your story, your story is that you are someone that God crafted with a purpose. And while He wants to use you on this earth, the greatest purpose that you have is to be loved by Jesus and to love Him in response. And if we ever confuse that, then we miss it. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.